Turn again in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And especially verse 2 where the Apostle says to the Corinthian church concerning his own ministry among them, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When we think of the ministry of the church and even the ministry of this particular church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to think first and foremost of this very ministry of the Apostle Paul, this kind of ministry, one that is fixed upon the making known, the declaring and proclaiming of Christ and Him crucified. When we think of our own Ministry. When we think of the church, this church, and how we might proceed in the days and the months and the years to come as a rather small, confessional, Reformed Baptist church in a world that is increasingly indifferent, even increasingly hostile to the gospel, we must think in these terms. It's easy to get wrapped up in the failures of the world, in the failures even of perhaps our own uh, ministers, not moral failings, but just weaknesses and, and such. It's easy to get caught up even in looking at other churches and the means that they might employ for the building up of the church. And we might be tempted to ask, well, this is what we've done for 30 years or so now. Should we try something different? And the answer is no. Even as we have, though with all weakness and fear, proclaimed Christ and Him crucified in the past, so we should proclaim Christ and Him crucified in the future. It is our calling as a church of the Lord Jesus To this very thing. And it is our calling. Because it is the Lord's calling. Upon us. You see here in the context of Paul's. Letter to. First letter to the church at Corinth. He's reminding them here. In these early chapters. Of the scope and the substance. Of the true ministry of the gospel. And he says that. A true ministry of the gospel is different from, distinct from, the sign that the Jews would seek and the worldly wisdom that the Greeks would seek. He is not concerned with what the wisdom of the world would have. He is not concerned with the strength of the world. 
so-called strength. But he is concerned with what God would have him to do. He says that we preach Christ crucified. Even though Jews ask for a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, verse 23 of chapter 1, we preach Christ crucified. This is a stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. But it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He goes on to say that the foolishness of God then in the preaching of the gospel is wiser than men. And the weakness of God in the preaching of the gospel is stronger than men. Paul preached Christ, the wisdom of God, the power of God. And we too should preach Christ, the wisdom and the power of God. Because even as Paul teaches here, only the foolishness of preaching and only the preaching of the cross is ordained of God and blessed of God unto the salvation of sinners. He asked the Corinthians to consider their own calling to Christ and how that calling demonstrates that it is not the wise after the flesh, It is not the mighty after the flesh. It is not the noble after the flesh that God chooses and calls. But he chooses and calls the weak. The powerless. Calls sinners to himself. So that no flesh should glory before God. And he reminds us, even as he did the Corinthians, that through the powerful working of God, we are in Christ Jesus. Though weak, though foolish in ourselves, powerless in ourselves, God has called us into fellowship with his own Son, whom he made wisdom. Indeed, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. And so the apostle says, this is why when he came to them in the past, though he was filled with much fear and trembling, he did not shrink back from preaching the testimony of God. Declaring unto them what God had revealed, namely Christ and Him crucified. He has this single determination, a single determination that forms and shapes the substance of His ministry Christ and Him crucified. And Paul stresses this to the Corinthians because it seems they had forgotten. They had neglected. They had ignored the simplicity of the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. They had become enamored with the wisdom of the world. The pretended wisdom of the world. And so Paul reminds them of true wisdom. 
the true wisdom of the cross. The true wisdom of Christ and Him crucified. And this is what we need to hear as well. Not necessarily because we ourselves are venturing upon the wisdom of the world. Though that certainly lies within our hearts and within our reach. It's tempting even to think that there is another way, a better way. And yet, there is no better way. This is the way appointed for us, my friends. To heed the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. And to heed, indeed, Christ and Him crucified. And as we think of that, and seek to remind ourselves of that, we want to notice two specific things from the text this morning. Two things that ought to encourage us in the preaching and in the hearing of Christ and Him crucified. Notice first the simplicity of Christ and Him crucified. When Paul says that he determined not to know anything among the Corinthians except Jesus Christ and him crucified, he is not telling us that there was a kind of narrow, truncated message that he preached. The matter of his ministry cannot be reduced to one small sliver of the whole counsel of God. In fact, Paul says in the very preceding verse that when he came to the Corinthians, he came not with any kind of fancy rhetoric, not with any kind of show of wisdom, but he came proclaiming the testimony of God. That which he declared, absent of all kinds of rhetoric, the show of the orator was simply the proclamation of what God had said. And all that God had said. This language of the testimony of God is a reference to everything that God had authored, declared, and revealed in and by His Son the Lord Jesus Christ. It refers even to that which God had declared in Christ as the fulfillment of the promises and prophecies of old. And Paul says that in distinction from some kind of finely tuned oration of these counterfeit preachers that had come seeking to dupe the people of Corinth, his own preaching was marked by a simplicity in terms of its manner and its matter. How he said what he said and what he said. He did not attempt to draw a crowd to himself with speeches that were finely tuned 
Though he was clear, yes. Though he spoke in the common vernacular, yes, to the people of God and to the people of Corinth, he did not determine that his own styled orations could be a substitute for the authoritative speech of the triune God. Paul did not withhold divine truth. And he did not withhold divine truth and cover it over with words upon words upon words. We might say he simply preached the gospel in all of its simplicity. His determination was that they would know Christ and Him crucified. And so His determination was to make Christ and Him crucified known. And if we seek to make known, we ought to strive for not only coherence and cogency, but clarity. And this demands a kind of simplicity in the manner of proclamation. Indeed, we might say that because the scope and substance of his preaching was the truth of Christ as the divinely appointed mediator between God and men, Paul simply proclaimed that truth openly, clearly, manifestly, simply. And he even went so far as to openly and simply proclaim that this Savior and this Mediator, Jesus Christ, was crucified. You see, those who traded in the wisdom of the world, those who traded in some kind of fleshly power and show of wisdom, would have hid the cross from view. They would have withheld the scandal, the shame of the cross. Because they had determined that somehow the crucifixion of the Lord of glory was contrary to true wisdom. And yet Paul says, I will endorse and I will proclaim Indeed, I am determined and have been determined to make known the Savior that hung upon the accursed tree. This was a central feature of the testimony of God. And so how could he withhold it? At the center of God's purpose to save sinners 
Is Christ crucified? And so he could not. He would not. But proclaim it openly, clearly, simply. Paul says here that he fixed his mind upon communicating the knowledge of Christ and his cross in all of its simplicity, in all of its truth. The cross, though it might be an embarrassment to the cultured elite, should be no embarrassment to the church and her proclamation of Christ. Calvin said, in adding the word crucified here, the apostle does not mean that he preached nothing respecting Christ except the cross, but that with all the abasement of the cross, he nevertheless preached Christ. It is though he had said, the shame of the cross will not prevent me from looking up to him from whom salvation comes. Or make me ashamed to regard all my wisdom as comprehended in him. In him, I say, whom proud men despise and reject on account of the reproach of the cross. Are we ashamed of the cross and what it means? Are we ashamed of a suffering Savior? In a world that craves power. Would we preach a Christ. Without the cross. If so. We are preaching. An empty. Christ. A Christ that does not exist. Jesus Christ himself taught his disciples that he came into the world to suffer first and then be raised to glory. And so it is for those who are united to him as well that we are called to suffer in the likeness of Christ and then be raised to glory. Are we ashamed of that suffering of our Savior? Are we determined to scrub away from our proclamation the crucifixion of Christ? May it never be. But may we proclaim, may we hear, may we believe the truth of the suffering Savior knowing that he suffered for our sakes. Paul was not ashamed to preach the Christ made known in the scriptures, the true Christ, who in fulfillment of his own calling and office was, yes, crucified. Again, Paul preached the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the heavenly session of Christ, The coming again of Christ in glory. 
But he tells us here that he preaches this Christ and him crucified. Because despite the scruples of the world, only Christ and him crucified is the wisdom of God, the testimony of God, and the power of God unto salvation. Paul preached the gospel without ambition, without adornment, and without apology. And he did so, he preached the gospel in all of its simplicity, because, as we need to notice secondly, there is a sufficiency to Christ and Him crucified. The simplicity of proclaiming Christ and Him crucified is rooted in the fact that Christ and Him crucified is sufficient unto the salvation of sinners. Yes, Paul preached the whole testimony of God. He declared unto the Corinthians, as he did throughout all of his ministry, the speech of God concerning who God is and what God does, especially his great work of redemption in Jesus Christ. And in doing that, he determined to make known the fullness of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, he found it necessary to emphasize the crucifixion of Christ. And none of this, again, is to say that this is a kind of narrow message. That the truth concerning Christ and his saving work can be reduced to some kind of bare minimalistic statement. No, the truth of God is full, but it can be summarized. And it can be summarized in a way, as Paul does here, that shows to us, that opens up to us something of the fullness of the testimony of God. Think about the words that Paul uses here. As he says that he determined not to know anything among you Save, that is, accept Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus, as we've seen recently in our study of the Catechism, here is a name that, in, considered in its biblical fullness, means Savior. And the Son of God incarnate is given this name. Because, as the angel bears witness to Joseph, this Jesus, it is he that shall save his people from their sins. Christ. Christ, meaning anointed, indicates for us that he is the promised Messiah, the promised surety, the promised 
mediator between God and men, the prophet, priest, and king of the church. Even then in the names that the apostle uses here to summarize the message that he proclaims, the message he would make manifest, we have an indication of the breadth and the depth of the person and work of our Redeemer. He is the one appointed by the Father, anointed by the Holy Spirit to reconcile God to men and men to God forever. And that truth is laid out throughout and indeed comprises the testimony of God. But again, notice the emphasis upon Christ and Him crucified. Not only again does this contradict and contravene what the false apostles would proclaim concerning Christ if they proclaimed Him at all, preaching a Christ without a cross. But it also draws our attention to the sufficiency of Christ's person and work. It draws attention to the perfection of his obedience and satisfaction. What it is that he does in order to reconcile God to men. What it is that he does in order to save sinners. He is crucified. This Jesus, this Savior, sent from his own Father, God himself who became man, this Christ who reconciles men to God and God to men, who unites sinners to the one true God and brings them safely into his presence forever giving them eternal life. He does this by himself becoming a curse for us. By himself acting in our place, obeying God's law for us, and making a perfect satisfaction to divine justice for us. The term crucified speaks to the manner of our Savior's death. It speaks to the fact that in being hung upon a tree as he was, he was accursed. Or as Paul says elsewhere in Galatians 3, citing Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23, he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This kind of death was the death that you and I deserved. It was the death that we had merited in virtue of Adam's sin. In virtue of his transgression. What God said to Adam, he said to Adam as the representative of the whole human race. That he would surely die if he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And indeed he did. And indeed in him we died. In him we are accounted as sinners. But Christ comes to bear that judgment. He comes to bear that divine sentence. He comes to bear our accursedness. And he underwent this kind of death so that as he made satisfaction for this penalty of sin, he might truly and really free us from that curse. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse in our place. What rightfully and truly belonged to us, Christ came to bear and he bore it. And he bore it perfectly. And this is why Paul would have this made known. This is why we would have this made known. This is why we ourselves would want to hear of Christ and him crucified. Here is the sin bearer. Here is the curse bearer. Here is the one who comes in our flesh, in our name, and for us bears the punishment, the penalty of our sin. So that we, instead of receiving sins, just desert, instead receive the blessings of salvation. Christ satisfied the curse against our sin, himself bearing our sins upon the tree as he was crucified. And in his last breath, as he declares it is finished, we hear a word of salvation, full and free. And so the crucifixion is no embarrassment to Paul. The shame of the cross is no embarrassment to the church of Jesus Christ. It is a word of grace. A word of mercy. God's own word declared to us. God said it. Paul preaches it. We believe it. Christ was crucified to bring us to God. Christ was crucified so that all of the blessings of that accursed death might be given to us, received not in virtue of the wisdom of men, but received according to the power of God, received indeed. Through faith alone. One has said. That Christ. Willingly took upon himself this crucifixion. So that we in turn. 
being justified by him, might be his brothers and co-heirs of the same kingdom. For we believe that he truly bore our curse, a curse that was laid upon him. And in doing so, he demonstrated the highest obedience to God and at the same time manifested his own divine power by overcoming the curse in his resurrection. Christ bore our curse and he bore our curse so that he, the Savior, might deliver us from our sins and bring us to God. And Jesus Christ has done all of this perfectly. For the one that Paul makes known as crucified, he also makes known as risen from the dead. And because he is risen from the dead, we can hear the proclamation of his crucifixion and know that a true and perfect satisfaction has taken place. We can know that the blessings of his own crucifixion and death are sure and certain. We can know that all that Jesus did upon the cross is sufficient for us. We can know that we are as surely freed from our sins because Christ has bore them in our place. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, a perfect Savior, a sufficient Savior. For sinners. For sinners. Jesus came. Jesus came as a physician. Not for the righteous. But for the sick. Indeed the dead. And through the virtue of his death. He brings life. To sinners. And this is why Paul would make known Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So that you might believe upon Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For there is no other Savior, no other mediator, no other way of salvation but through the one who gave Himself for us at Calvary. No other Savior, no other mediator. Come to God through Him. Believe upon the crucified and risen one. And, dear believer, let your faith stand in Him. Though the cross appears to be weak. It is indeed the power of God. Though it appears foolish, it is the wisdom of God. And
And it is everything. It is everything for you. Jesus Christ, wisdom from God. Jesus Christ, righteousness. Jesus Christ, sanctification. Jesus Christ, redemption. All that you are, dear believer, and all that you have is found in this one and in him crucified. And so, should we ever tire of hearing of him? We do, sadly. We do because of our own weakness. Because we think that somehow there's something more, there's something better. But for Christ's people in this world, beleaguered as we often are, suffering as we do, trudging as it were on our way to that heavenly city, Waiting for the day when we will be made like unto Christ. When we will see Christ with our eyes. It's easy in this day of temptation and trial to have our faith diverted. And so we need to hear. We need to hear what has been made manifest in the testimony of God. Jesus Christ. And him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Sufficient for us. Our faith. Is nurtured heavenward. By the proclamation. Of Christ. And him crucified. And so may it be. That weak though we might be. Tired though we might be. Tried. Pressed as we might be, that we would gladly hear of our Savior, that we would gladly hear of our mediator and surety, that we would gladly hear of all that he has done for needy sinners like us. Let us believe upon him and let us stand in the way of faith. Let us walk in the way of faith, looking to the Christ whose obedience and satisfaction is enough for us. Indeed, is all for us. Let's pray.